you're listening to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast, presented by Brandon Elliott. This show will be going over all aspects of real estate investing and is intended to educate, motivate, and prepare you to take action on your first or next real estate investment. For more information, please visit BrandonElliottInvestments.com. Thank you for listening and enjoy. Welcome back, everyone, to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast. I'm your host, Mr. Brandon Elliott. And uh, today, we are definitely blessed by none other than Suzanne. What's going on? How you doing? I'm great. How are you, Brandon? I am awesome. So you have been crushing it lately, and, uh, and you definitely lead by example. So I definitely wanted, you know, it's a blessing to have you on here. I definitely appreciate your time. Do you mind giving, you know, just a an outlook of like who you are as a person, where you come from to where you're at now. Absolutely. Doesn't know. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, I'm the queen of making a short story as long as possible, but I'll try and keep it brief. Um, So I am from Pacific Northwest. I'm from a little town called Bellingham, Washington, about an hour and a half North of Seattle. I'm currently residing in Minnesota. Minnesota. I don't have the accent, but I try every once in a while. Um, (laughs) So, um, we, so I've been in construction for about 23 years. Um, um, we had our own subcontracting business, our own contracting companies, um, worked as a project manager in mechanical construction. And, um, five years ago, my husband, um, Gary, who's one of my partners, um, in our business was transferred out to Minnesota, um, for work. He was working for James Hardy building products. Um, they offered him, a a new kind of startup um, concept idea here in Minnesota. And he said, well, Minnesota is not really in one of my top 48 places of places I want to move to. But if you make the deal worth it, then sure, I'll go. Well, I made the deal worth it. And here we are in Minnesota. So um, we had always been intrigued with investing in real estate as remodelers and contractors. Um, We were working with investors a lot um, in Washington where they would bring the property and the money and we would do the rehab and then we would take an equity split. And yeah, and we had an agent and she was taking us to these houses. I still remember some of them, you know, clearly today. And it's been, um, we actually just connected with her a couple days ago and figured out it's been about 16 years ago that we um, tried to get um, into investing in real estate and we couldn't figure out how to put all the pieces together. Um, cause the internet is not what it is now. You know, there was no smartphones. We had really cool push to talk phones, which were like a two way radio and a cell flip phone all in one. Um, you know, we didn't have GPS. We didn't have ways. We didn't have, you know, even Google and finding stuff on the internet wasn't what it was. So, you know, finding a hard money lender, what do you like flip the yellow pages and flip the hard money lending? You know, it just didn't exist. So we weren't able to put the pieces together um, fully for ourselves back then. So um, when we moved to Minnesota, we found that the market and trends and things were about eight to 10 years behind the West Coast, Seattle area where we were from. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, they had the same dip at the same period of time that everyone else did, but um, the recovery is a little bit slower. Um, the medium prices are a little bit less. Oh, and there go my dogs. I'm sorry about that. Um, 
And um, so we just saw a huge amount of opportunity. And then we had um, run across an education program online. And, um, you know, we, I Googled them. I'm like, is this a scam and all, you know, all this stuff and, and was pretty impressed with what I found. So we went and, you know, we're out in the parking lot looking at each other going, you know, pointing at each other. We're not buying in, you know, we're just going to get the information that we need. We're going to glean what we can. And then, and then we're going to take it and run with it. Well, we really liked their program. And so we ended up buying into it. So, um, you know, for us, it was basically kind of like a business in a box, which Gary and I were working full time. So we figured the only way that we were going to be able to, um, you know, really take off with this and get it going quickly was if a lot of the systems and things were already in place for us and we could just follow a checklist and, you know, get it done. So we weren't having to create anything. We weren't, you know, we were really able to, um, you know, just hit the ground running is how we felt about it. So that's been amazing. Um, our, we joined the program in March of 2016 okay. and had our first house purchased May 4th. So in under a month from when we, um, we purchased the house and, um, I can't, Oh, sorry. Hold on. Here, you can take them that. I had someone picking up a check, one of my contractors. Uh, I'm like, I can't go to the door. <laughs> I can't do that now. No, no. Like, <laughs> um, and so, um, oh, shoot. <laughs> um, so we bought this house and it was like 6,000 square feet. And full renovation from top to bottom. And yeah. we were like, we're contractors. We've got this. No problem, you know. And But we weren't going to do the work ourselves. We weren't going to be contractors. We, um, we were going to be the investors. We were going to just, you know, manage the contractor. Bow to that. Like, I'm not going to yes. be doing the work ourselves anymore. We're yeah. scripts. Okay. Yeah. And then it didn't go that well. Um, yeah. The contractor we hired, we, um, we fired them after three days okay. um, because we were walking, we'd walk the house in at the night um, after they were done. And so we weren't, you know, they're on top of them. We were going to give them the space, but you know, we were, you know, we're control freaks. So we had to go walk the house. So we walked the house and we're like, huh, the doors had to be all reset because they, they weren't closing all the way. So yeah. they were crooked in the jam. Yeah. And so the trim had to be removed and then the door, you know, reset and the trim put back on and they had their painter in there doing enamel, like final enamel on the trim and the doors still wouldn't, wouldn't close. And we're like, um, okay, this is a little out of sequence, not quite yeah. the way we would do it. Usually the last step. Not the yeah. First. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, Gary's like, you know, you just, we got to hang in there, you know, we'll, we'll bring it up to him and see what they say. So he had some excuse on, on why he was going to do it. And we're like, okay, you know, we'll, we'll see. And then the next day there was like another red flag came up and then another one. We're like, okay, this guy has no clue what he's doing. So sorry, you're fired. Bye-bye. Yeah. You know? And so then we, um, we started putting together you know, just subcontractors that we had networked with and trusted. And so yeah. the project took a lot longer than we expected. And, 
So, so let me ask, with, with that particular contractor, mm -hmm. how did you screen him right from the start? Well, so initially we, um, we, in Minnesota, you have to take a test to be licensed. So that's the yeah. first level of screening is we make sure that they are actually a licensed tested contractor and not just registered as a builder. So yeah. it's kind of a weird and in, in Minnesota, like you can register that you're a contractor, but you're not actually you haven't taken the test and you're not licensed. So if you're not experienced in looking at the um, labor and industries website, it's sometimes it's really hard to, to distinguish whether they really are licensed or they're just saying, Hey, I'm a contractor. Yeah. But he was, he had all his licensing in place, okay. all his insurance, all the bonding was there. And then we checked his references that he provided us, which all gave glowing recommendations, but um, one thing we do now is we the don't recommendations were what his sister his probably mom. and that's what we figure it's like his buddy like it's hey yeah. this person's gonna call you and you're a John Smith yeah and we, we worked on this house and this is you know what it was and so um, later after we kind of all the red flags started flying up um, Gary did a little bit more deep dive in the social media and looking him up and turns out that um, six months earlier he'd been an accountant and decided to take a test and become a contractor an accountant so, an accountant uh, okay yeah. wow totally so, different. yeah so he had absolutely no clue what he was doing whatsoever I read a book and you know he read the con you know the code book or whatever and he yeah, could yeah. memorize it and he passed the test so now our learning lesson is that we don't um, ask for references. Um, what we do is we ask the contractor if they have a current project or one that they have just finished that we can go see. Yes. And if they don't have any projects that they can show us, then their work, then they don't have a, they don't have a history of work. Exactly. And then they're, they're, not, they're not prepared or qualified yeah. enough to be able to work with you, which is great. Yeah, or they didn't do a good enough job that they felt comfortable taking us to one of their projects or to one of their last customers. Yeah, it's a, one so, way or another, it's a bunch of red flags that yeah. uh, that isn't good. So yeah, to you for um, you know implementing the right strategies. Me yep. personally, I, I I've had a ton of issues with contractors in the past, and um, it, it's always fun learning curves. But but what I rely on now is strictly only referrals. Yeah. And, and that has really changed uh, me getting screwed over time and time over again. Yeah. So like the contractor themselves being referred by someone else that has used them. Yeah. We do a lot of the same. So like, for example, we have a great relationship with Sherwin Williams. We get all our paint and flooring and stuff through. For and sure. so we ask them, um, you know, give me three or four referrals for painters, drywallers, um, and then if it's painter only, we ask the painter for referrals on who's the best drywaller that you like to follow. Um, because yeah. us as when we had our own companies, we started as um, finished carpenters. So we're the last person in. And if the framing is crooked and then the sheetrock is wavy and everything, it, it all shows in our work, even though we've done the best job that we can. Yeah. So if you ask the contractor who they like to follow, because who does the best work before them to make their work look the best? Yeah. And that's a, a huge referral right there. So we, we do that's the same thing. Yeah, that, that's great advice. I really love that. I, I think everybody 
uh, just getting started or if you're extremely mm -hmm. experienced, you should definitely run with that advice right there. Always ask for the references of who uh, that particular group of individuals who they like following, mm -hmm. uh, you know, to make their work look even better, which is awesome. Yep. So let me, let me just okay. say, like, you guys are awesome for the simple fact that you literally took action, like in yep. the past you were just mentioning that you guys took action within a month yeah. of, of investing in yourself, um, you know, an education that it's not, it's not cheap, but at the same time, it, it is an investment and uh, you were expecting, you know, an ROI on your investment. Yeah, and, absolutely. And you guys pushed hard to, to go for it. So kudos to you guys for, for really crushing it right from the get-go. Take Thank action. Thank you. Yeah. And that's that's kind of how we are. We're, we're kind of like you jump in first and then figure out how to tread water and swim later. So um, important. Yeah. It and, is. You know, and in investing, and in this case, it's it's done us well every time. Um, we haven't, I mean, it's not like we haven't had our struggles. That first property, um, actually our first two, we ended up holding them longer than we'd anticipated because we had struggles with contractors and putting the team together and putting all the pieces in place. But we bought the properties really well. And yeah. we saw in both of the properties, we made changes to the properties. So we saw what the property could be instead of what it currently was mm. um and that we didn't realize it at the time when we were doing that but that has um catapulted us into where we are today and what our niche um is for today which is awesome um but our the second property we got we got about a month after the first one and it was a smaller house um it was 20 um 500 square feet and had a they call it a tuck under garage here, but it's basically, it's a garage that's under the upper floor. I'd oh, never okay. heard it called a tuck under before. I'm like, yeah, that's I just a garage. Yeah. It's a garage. I think I know what you're talking about. Though. Yeah. Okay. But in Minnesota, they call it a tuck under. So Minnesota. anyway, <laughs> Minnesota. <laughs> and, uh, but the previous owner had like framed in the garage door and filled in landscaping in front of it. So there actually wasn't a garage anymore. Yeah, they took it away. And, yeah. And the house had been like stripped down. There were no cabinets in it. There was really no finishes. Um, and they had taken, I think it was like a three bedroom, one bath at one point. And they took the one like standard size bath and made it into like one third, two thirds and tried to create this master suite. But it was so small. You'd like, shimmy in the door and then you'd get to the to the sink and then you'd have to like do a hard 90 and then you could sit down on the toilet and you know it was so small that it really wasn't a master so that one we added a two-story addition onto the side of it so 1400 square feet total 700 living space and we redid a tuck under garage so a regular two-car garage underneath um and so that one ended up being a five bedroom, um, three bathroom home on three quarters of an acre. And that one, the challenge was that the jurisdiction that we were building in, um, we didn't realize that the plan examiners were also the inspectors. So three days of the week, they were out at people's projects inspecting their construction two days a week they were in the office looking at plans for permit to sign them off well they um this jurisdiction is there there's a ton of building going on 
and we were going in for permit in May, June, which is the busiest time of the year. And so it literally took us four months to get out of permit on that project, which in some places could kill your project. But again, we bought right. So we bought in a place where um, we were in one of the most desirable school districts. Mm. Um, it was on three quarters of an acre. Um, the property itself actually was part of a 10 acre parcel originally, and they had divided nine and a quarter acres off of it. And, um, a national builder had built a development and at the development was the, uh, the end of it was a roundabout. Well, our property, um, um, butted up against that roundabout. And when they did the, the neighborhood planning for that, they planned a driveway from our property into the cul-de-sac. Mm. Well, originally the driveway came off of a highway. So it was like highway seven address. And because it was pre-planned into the cul-de-sac, we were able to change the driveway. We actually changed the address from a highway address to strawberry lane. So now it had a street address name instead of a highway name. Yeah. And, um, we bought it for 140,000 and we put uh, 210 into it and we sold for 550. So even with that extra hold time because of permits, because we yeah. bought right and saw the value that we could add with the additional square footage, yeah. um, we were able to sell for enough that it, it really didn't hurt us. Of course, that's awesome. So how, how long was that holding period? Just we actually, yeah, we actually held it for almost a full year um, by the time we sold it. Yeah. Um, the other thing we did on that one is initially, because it was one of our first projects, we used hard money um, to get the loan for it because we had no experience as investors whatsoever. Yeah. Um, but during that time, because we had that project and we had the other one that were going at the same time, we started networking with local banks that had commercial departments yep. and we found, um, I mean, we took a list of probably like a hundred banks and made phone calls and emails and, and we narrowed it down to two different banks that um, w worked with investors um, and they made the decision there in house. Um, and so they gave us great rates. So we ended up refinancing out that project from our hard money lender to the bank partway through. Okay. And so that significantly reduced our cost. I mean, it took our interest rate down to 5%. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. So it was like that bought us, you know, a ton of time basically of with that. Um, but then, and then we started building our team. The other thing that we ran into on that project was again, we wanted to work with a general contractor. We didn't want to be there day in and day out. We didn't want to put our tool bags back on. We didn't want to dust off all the tools we had. You know, we just didn't want to be a contractor again. And so, but we started looking for contractors after we'd closed on the property. So the contractors could look up what we purchased it for. They could look up, and they knew what our plans were. And they could look up comps, you know, Redfin has, gives comps for anybody that wants to look it up. And then the bids that we would get back, it felt like they were deciding how much profit margin we should make as the investor and just giving us these lump sum bids that were astronomical. They're like $300,000. I'm like, no, we're, we're just adding this addition. We're not re knocking it down and building the whole house again, you know, we're not building a whole house. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and like one, guy was hilarious so um he sent me his bid labor and materials 
And I was like, wow, you know, that's, that's really high. Um, so what's the amount for the new edition? And he's like, oh, that's um, 70,000. I was like, okay. And his total bid, I think was like 250 or something like that. I was like, so you're charging me 180,000 for the renovation on, you know, on the other side when like everything's already there, like it's already framed and everything. And he yeah. goes, yeah, yep, that's right. And I said, okay, well, how about if um, I provide you materials and you guys just do it labor only? He's like, yeah, we're totally up for that. I'm like, okay, so send me your breakout labor and materials. And he goes, no, just tell me how much you're going to spend on materials and then we'll back that out and then that'll be the labor number. And I go, no, <laughs> no, no, no. Ha ha. Funny, funny. You know, really like what's your labor amount? And he goes, no, really just, just tell me how much you guys have budgeted for materials and we'll back that off of my bid and then the rest will be labor. And I was like, okay, have a nice day. You know? <laughs> yeah, so where, so do you, where do you find those people? Because those are like, that's, I feel like dealing with contractors in general is yeah. very difficult um, yeah. because they just think totally differently for some yeah. odd reason in comparison to an investor. Because like yourself, like if you start off as a contractor, if you're intelligent yeah. enough to, uh, yeah. <laughs> you'll see that there's a bigger picture to and more yeah. money to be made um, to jump on the other side. So, uh, wow, that's that's crazy. So how do you how do you typically like to deal with contractors? Do you do you, rather i mean is it on case kind of basis when it comes down to payment structure or material uh cost the whole project itself how do you how do you like to go about it so our model now is that um for materials we provide the finished materials like we provide the tile wood flooring we buy our own paint because we've negotiated really good paint pricing um so it just saves us money and they come and do the takeoff for us um we provide the cabinets counters light fixtures, plumbing fixtures, stuff like that. Um, everything else, like all the rough-in contractors, like the electrical rough-in, plumbing rough-in, they do labor and materials. Um, but we've gotten to the point where we don't have anyone bid anything anymore. Um, we just, we bring them on the property, we walk them through the scope and we're like, this is how much we're spending on this. So like 11,000 on drywall, labor and materials, done, mudded, tape, textured, sanded, out the door, yes or no. Yeah, and then they yeah. can take it or they can leave it. And, and that's just how we do it. And we never, ever, 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 ever prepay for labor. Um, never, ever, ever. If you didn't yeah. get that, never, ever. Um, because why should you pay for labor that they haven't performed? Yeah. Right. If, if someone is asking you to prepay for labor, that should be a huge red flag. It means they're robbing from Peter to pay Paul and they don't have enough money to pay their guys. However, in return, what we do is we have a set pay schedule um, for all our contractors. And part of this is for our convenience um, is that if they can invoice on Friday and as long as the work for, is done for what they've invoiced, they get paid the following Friday. So they're really only holding a week to a week and a half, if that, of work that they've done. So it's not like they have to wait 30 days and all that kind of stuff. Um, we're pretty on top of it on our draw requests and taking care of everything that, that it doesn't put us out in front of anyone. Um, and then, and they get paid quickly and it's the same for every job. So it doesn't matter when they started, you know, what job they were on, it's, they can bill by Friday and then get paid the following Friday. And it makes it super simple for our accounting department to just 
process everything that comes in that week. And as long as it's got their lien releases and everything they're supposed to have, then, yeah. then it gets processed for payment. Um, and as long as the work is done. I'm so, glad, glad you just mentioned lien releases. Yeah. So, <laughs> what other crucial documents do you have in place that kind of just when dealing with contractors kind of mm -hmm. from start to finish, uh, documents that are needed because a lot of real estate investors starting out, um, like myself starting out yeah. originally, I, I was just going with it. Like you tell me when you need money. I'll like, let yeah. me know, send me some pictures when the project's done, stuff like that. So people that are just getting started, what, what crucial documents would you recommend? So we have a um, contract. It's a three-page contract. It's not very exciting, but we have our um, had our attorney look at it here in Minnesota, so we make sure it meets Minnesota um, requirements. Um, and we always use our contract. We don't sign their contract. Um, in it, it contains kind of the rules of the road, what we expect on our projects, payment schedule, how much they're going to get paid, um, when they're going to pay it, all that kind of good stuff. Um, then we have an insurance indemnification um, form that they have to fill out just to protect us and our project. Um, we include a detailed scope of work that's referenced in the contract. Um, so it spells out, you know, this knob is getting installed on that cabinet in this room at this height, you know, um, and it's this color and da, da, da. And so it's really clear on exactly what they're supposed to do. Kind of like, kindergarten crayon on, on paper, right? You got to make it as clear as absolutely possible. Um, and then we have, depending on the contract or the contractors will include like a price breakdown. Cause we have some contractors that do multiple scopes. So the contract has a lump sum amount. We, we provide a breakdown sheet that, you know, says it's this number of dollars for this, for that roofing, siding, framing, all kinds of stuff like that. Um, and then everyone has to fill out a W9. Um, so we report to our good friend, the IRS and, um, no one gets paid cash. You know, we follow all the rules as far as that goes. Um, they have to provide us a certificate of insurance with us listed as additionally insured so that we're protected if them or any of their workers, um, hurt themselves on our project or hurt or our project in any way. Um, so then we can be covered and our investors are covered as well. Um, and then, they have to provide a lien, conditional lien release with every pay request and then a final lien release at the end of their scope of work. Okay. Awesome. I love it. So it's, it's about six like crucial documents needed. Yep. Right? Yep. Pretty close. Yeah. Awesome. Very cool. So, um, so let's talk about some more learning curves. Sure. <laughs> We've been humbled a few times here. And yeah, there. Yeah. So uh, what, I mean, what has been your biggest learning curve? Um, we, we've had several. I think one of the biggest things for us is not over rehabbing, like not falling in love with a project so yeah. that like you, you build it how you would want it to be if you live there. Um, like our, our property, um, the last one that I told you about, um, my husband Gary was, and he'll laugh about this, but he was, um, bound and determined to put this beautiful wraparound deck on the, on the thing. I mean, the, this deck was like 1200 square feet. It was almost as big as the first floor of the house yeah. and it was beautiful and it, you know, it made it a great entertaining space, but did we get any more money for the house because of this beautiful wraparound deck? No, we didn't. 
So one of the things that we do now, especially because we have so many projects going on at once, is that we, um, when we are looking for a property and we're comping, we find what we call a blueprint property. So that is a comp that is as close to what we're going to do when we're done as possible. And it's, um, the you know, architectural style layout, possibly, you know, if we can, um, finishes colors, you know, everything is as close as it's going to be. And that's the ARV price that we're shooting for. Yeah. So what we do is, um, we have a folder that has our, our scope of work in it for everybody on site, but we also include the photos from that blueprint comp. And what that does is it keeps our project managers grounded in what we have to do to sell that property at that price. Mm -hmm. So like, for example, someone say, we'll say, we, we have to do courts in this house. We, this house, it needs courts. We, you know, we're just in this neighborhood and we're going to need it. We're going to need it for the price we've got to put quartz in, in, in this kitchen or a waterfall, you know, countertop or some, you know, something. Yeah. And so then it's like, okay, go back to the blueprint comp and we look and it has granite. Well, in our market, granite costs a lot less than quartz does. And it's like, well, we could put granite in this house and still get the price we want. So it doesn't need to have it. Right. We yeah. don't have to talk ourselves into this HGTV stuff, yeah, yeah. you know, and, I, I personally yeah. used to get very attached to some of my projects right in the beginning. I remember my first project, I wanted to do all these amazing things and I really had it planned. Mm -hmm. Luckily, it was a blessing and a curse at the same time, but I got screwed over on several contractors, uh, five to be exact. <laughs> and it took a year and two months instead of like, you know, I probably could have got it done in a little over a month. Uh, maybe two yeah. at the most, but yeah, so I fell in love with all these projects and, and wanted to make it just like you would see on TV or, you know, mm -hmm. some something that I would personally move into when yep. in reality I'm, I'm using it as a rental in a college area. Yes. <laughs> you know, I'm just like, how is my head at? So it's yeah. very important not to fall in love with the project, uh, yeah. with the overall finishes and everything. Uh, keep it business minded and, you know, match it up with comparables, like you said. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So that's been, I think, one of the biggest learning curves. And I think that that's huge for new people coming in because a lot of people get into investing because they see these show on TV, like, you know, flip or flop, but you know, all this kind of stuff and yeah. Joanna and Chip, but you know, <laughs> Joanna and Chip aren't, you know, someone's paying for that project. You know, they're, the end customer has already bought in and paid for what they're doing. It's not like they're, you know, hedging their bet that someone's going to like that project, which is totally different than it what is. we do. I mean, we're with our finishes and stuff. I mean, you don't want to speculate in real estate, but when we're finishing out a house, we're speculating that there's going to be a buyer that's going to buy what the product that we are offering. Yeah. So the, best way that we can mitigate that risk is to find something that has already sold previously was only on the market for a few days was at the price that we wanted it to be at and is a similar style to what we like to do yeah and, and, and so overall, that's how we overall like the finished products mm -hmm. has to be somewhat neutralized uh, mm -hmm. in, like what everybody kind of likes exactly exactly yeah. okay awesome well that's like a ton of value right there that's great <laughs> Uh, so as far as, 
um, some of your wins, like what, what was the best project that you guys have worked on? And I know bringing on your new partner mm-hmm. as of November, last yep. you guys have been crushing it and you know, you, you have a, a full table worth of all these projects <laughs> going on right now. Yeah, we have, um, so since we brought Nick on um, as a partner, we were able to really divide our business um, between the three of us. Um, so we're really a balanced equal tripod, which is awesome. So um, Gary runs the projects, Nick does all the marketing and acquisitions, and then I'm in charge of funding and design. And um, and then I have my license now, so I'm actually uh, um, selling the properties on the back end as well. So, um, that's how we've divided everything up between three of us. And then I do, I have like the office, um, administrative stuff like accounting and all that kind of non-fun, non-jumbo stuff, (laughs) non-fun. And, um, so that's helped us out a lot. So since November, we've purchased 15 renovations um, we're closing on another one tomorrow and then another one on September 4th. And then, um, we've wholesaled two properties, which these are our first two that we've wholesaled. So we're still learning new stuff. Um, and then, um, we have a new build that we're going to be breaking ground on here soon too, which is kind of cool. But, um, my favorite project so far today actually is a little house that we bought, um, in October. Um, we bought it actually just before we started partnering with Nick. And, um, we had, after we finished those first two monsters that took forever, um, to get done and sell, we realized that because we weren't getting any, we were putting out a ton of marketing and we weren't getting anything in return. We weren't getting off market deals. We were, um, you know, tons of competition on the MLS and we weren't picking anything up and, you know, we just felt like we were banging our head against the wall trying to figure out what we need to do. And what we realized is we were just casting too broad of a net. We were all over the place. And um, the Twin Cities, probably a lot like California, but like every little town and suburb and um, neighborhood run right into each other. Yeah. Which it's, you know, being from just north of Seattle, it's not like that. Like we have our town and then 10 minutes north is the next major town and 15 minutes south is the next major town. And, um, and that's like actual like 70 mile an hour miles, not like traffic, you know, California or Minnesota miles. (laughs) Um, but so we just, we were casting too broad of a net and we were, you know, too many different neighborhoods with too many different economic diversities. And we, we were just all over the place and totally unfocused. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we decided that we really needed to narrow our focus. And so we chose um, two neighborhoods in St. Paul and we chose, um, which is basically just two zip codes. So two small little areas. And then we had, um, a couple areas in Minneapolis that we decided we were going to focus on and they had similar demographics and they were a little bit higher end cause that's what we personally like to do. Um, we, we found that we are not good at that entry level first time home buyer house or the rental level. It's just not what we enjoy doing. It's not what we're passionate about. We yeah. like, I mean, we do like the HDTV stuff. We do like court, courts and all that kind of stuff. So because we have the background we have, we could, and we have that comfort level with a higher priced home, 
we knew that we could go into these areas and be successful. Yeah. And then we really took a hard look at um, what was our competitive advantage. What did we have that other investors didn't have that we could use to leverage our skills um, and get properties? Mm -hmm. And for us, that was our construction knowledge. So in a renovation, how do you, you know, how does that become leveraged? Well, for us, we can take a two bedroom, one bathroom home, pop the top on it at a second floor. And all of a sudden we've totally changed the class that that, that property is in yeah. and we've changed the RV. So when we did that, we really narrowed our focus. We changed our searches. And so we were focused on these two small areas and this little house came up. It was a, um, it was a dress, distressed house, but it didn't come up with any of the distress keywords on the MLS. It just came up as a traditional sale. So um, it popped up and it was a three bedroom, one bath and the pictures looked okay. It only had like three or four pictures. And I'm like, we have got to see this property today. <laughs> and um, So we were heading down to one of our renovations and my husband's like, yeah, let's drive by. So we drove by and um, there was like tons of activity going on. And I'm like, we, we have to see this house. We have to get in there. And um, so my husband says, well, call the listing agent. And I'm like, what? Like, like I have to pick up the phone and call someone I don't know and ask them if they'll represent us. So I'm a pretty shy, introverted person. And so that was like cold sweats. I mean, just to call a listing agent, that was like out of my comfort zone for me. So I call a call him on the phone and then the whole time it's ringing I'm like go to voicemail go to voicemail go to voicemail go to voicemail so it did it went to voicemail and I'm like yeah. you know manifested it yes <laughs> so you know then I could like breathe and I could leave a message that sounded clear and concise and wasn't stuttery and you know didn't show my nervousness so um let him know that I was interested in, the, in looking at the property and um so he called me back and and I asked for more information and then I just blurted out I'm like would you be willing to listen to represent us? <laughs> and he's like, well, yeah, I would. And I'm like, Oh, cool. That was easy. <laughs> you know? So now the next time I did it, it was a lot easier to do. Um, but so the next day we went and saw this house and, um, cutest little house. So three bedroom, one bath and two bedrooms and a bathroom on the main floor. The kitchen was like all closed in. The dining room was closed into another little room. And it was like, every finish was back from the fifties and sixties. It was old and dated and, um, they'd done some painting, but it was terrible and glopped on. And, um, but in the, it was one and a half stories. So in the half story, there was enough head height and room that we could make a master suite. So we knew we could take this property from a three, one to a three, two, plus we could finish out the basement and get more square footage. And all of a sudden the comps got a lot better. Yeah. Um, so through the process, we learned that the, um, yeah, the lady that owned it, um, she was, um, needed to go on to a care facility and, um, the house had the other advantages the house had is it had the siding had been replaced two years ago, the roof, and it had a brand new boiler. Well, come to find out that um, we get hailstorms here in Minnesota pretty often. And so you get the storm chasers that come around every neighborhood. Oh, your neighbor up the street has a hole in their roof from the hail. And you can get a new roof and just and claim it on your insurance. You know, so they talk all these people into getting, you know, replacing their roofs when they 
don't really need it. But so these contractors had come by and they talked this poor little lady into replacing her roof, her siding, vinyl siding. Um, and it was, you know, thousand square foot footprint, you know, not very big and a new boiler for $50,000. And so she had owned the house free and clear and she actually took a mortgage out on her house to pay for these things. It should have only cost her 20 max. And, um, and so Yeah, it was just awful. So she needed the money from the house, um, selling the house to pay for the rest of her life in the care facility. So we worked our numbers and we, um, we really took our our ROI percent way down to what we normally would so that we could get her as much as we possibly could. Um, and the agent, instead of taking both sides of the commission, he only took the seller side. Um, cause he's like, well, you guys have done all your homework. You know, I really haven't helped you out in this. I opened the door for you. So just write a letter to me stating that you're going to represent yourself and we won't even charge you the brokerage fee for it. So he, yeah, he was awesome. So he basically kept 3% in the seller's pocket. Yeah. Um, we tightened up our numbers and we were able to get the house. He backed us on the, on the purchase of it. So, um, we did the renovation and that neighborhood, the neighbors were awesome. They were the nicest neighbors we'd ever met. And it was the cutest little house and it turned out so good. And it really, if it had been a little bit bigger, we probably would have bought that house and moved into it ourselves. But so that project, um, we, the market helped us out on it. And so we actually, it did go up on it on it for us. We pre-sold it. So we had another house, um, about four blocks away and we always put our sign in the yard, you know, coming soon. And we had a buyer, um, contact us on the other house. Um, but it wasn't going to be ready in time. So I cross sold them to this house and brought them over. I said, at least come look at it and you'll see the finishes that are going to be on the other house. So she walked in the house, fell in love with it. We pre-sold it before we were done with it, and we ended up making a 30% ROI on the project. Nice. I love so, it. Yeah. So it was a total win-win-win all the way around yeah. for everyone. That's so, That's yeah. great. Yeah. So how are you getting these leads? Like, how, what, what is your main source of, uh, I, I know you mentioned, you know, you started focusing instead of just mm-hmm. having the, the broad net everywhere. Um, yeah. So um, in our in our marketing, like, so of our 15 properties that we have, we only have two that are, that have been off market properties. Everything else has come off the MLS. Um, not for a lack of try. Um, but I mean, we did, um, every door direct mail, we were targeting our specific neighborhood. Um, and, um, and you know, but we just weren't getting calls, but they were pretty highly targeted neighborhoods for direct mail. Um, so, and the areas are not, they're not areas where you see distress from the outside. Um, you know, people may be in distress because of financial stuff or medical and all that kind of stuff, but you don't see it on their house. Um, but they're highly um, targeted for direct mail because a lot of people want those houses in those neighborhoods because they go for a higher value. So we weren't getting a lot of um, response to our direct mail. But like I said, we started leveraging our 
competitive advantage, which is our construction knowledge. Mm -hmm. So um, we have been buying a lot of smaller homes. They're like two bedroom, two bath, two bedroom, one bath. Um, they might be a three bedroom, one bath. As long as the foundation size fits within a, cri a specific criteria for us, we know that we can go up and we can we can drastically change that. So that's what we've been doing. So we have a ton of large construction projects going on right now. Very cool. Yeah. And as we say, we're popping tops. <laughs> yeah. I love that. <laughs> cool. So where do you, like, what kind of goals do you guys have moving forward? I know mm -hmm. you guys are crushing it, but it's still kind of in that, uh, I wouldn't necessarily say beginner stage. Um, yeah. But it's like, you guys are really starting to build the momentum now. We are. So at the beginning of the year, we were going to do 48 houses this year. That was yeah. going to be our goal. But what we learned really quickly is that there is a huge labor shortage in Minnesota and we could, we could buy 48 houses, but we weren't getting them done fast enough. Yeah. They're going to be sitting um, there until yeah. you get everybody else around. Yeah. So we've really been, um, we slow down a little bit. We've really been focused on, um, building our contractor team. Yeah. Um, and we have kind of a really cool, um, I guess air quotes partnership that we've worked out with a local private, um, Votech school. Um, and then, um, so we've kind of slowed down. So we're buying one or two properties a month just to keep the pipeline full so that as, um, though, you know, as we kind of hit the edge of the cliff with the labor and really start rolling downhill that we have projects to roll to from one to the, the next. And we're really starting to get to that point. So our goal for our stretch goal for next year is 70 properties but I think that we'll probably end up in the 50 property range. Yeah. Um, it's always good to 10 exit. And then yeah. you know, if, you, if you have to settle for less, then it was still more than what you originally exactly. <laughs> exactly. And we're really working on our marketing. Um, you had my, my girl Tiff on here a couple yeah. weeks ago and she and I have known each other for about a year. And so she um, helps us out with the subject too. And we help her out on the renovation side. And so we've been taking advantage of her awesome class that she's doing. Um, yeah. And then we mastermind a lot on um, marketing and, um, you know, different things that we're trying and what's working. Um, so we've um, taken on a marketing CRM um, company um, that's, doing a lot of our marketing and list generation and stuff for us now. And we're seeing a huge response. So we went from a couple calls smattering here and there to we're getting about 10 calls a day. Um, oh, it. Yeah. In response to our marketing. So that's awesome. Do you mind sharing uh, the company or? Yeah, it's called REI vault. Um, okay. And they do, you have to interview with them and they only do a certain number, you know, a certain number of companies in a certain area. Um, and they, work with both real estate agents and investors. So real estate kind of is their focus. Yeah. Um, and then they make sure that they're not overloading a specific market. Um, so we have to, like we chose our zip codes that we want to be in. Um, yeah. And like one of them, there was an, a real estate agent that was already doing one type of marketing in that area. So then we couldn't do that. Right. So we had to choose a different kind of avenue to go in that same zip code, yeah. which is awesome. Cause then we know that like we're not competing against other people that they're servicing in the same area. So our, the, the list that we get isn't um, watered down basically yeah, yeah. with other people that are marketing to the same list from, yeah, yeah. from that company. You have a more, you know, secluded type of, uh, 
situation at hand. That's good. Exactly. And then they have a CR, so they work with Podio and then we already had call rail. And so they use that also to implement. So now we've got all these different um, avenues of our marketing that are all coming into one place and we're getting a lot better um, responses and we're getting a lot better view of what's happening with all of our um, lead pipes once they go out and how many calls, what they're generating, all that kind of stuff. I love it. That's good. It's really great. Cool. So what kind of goals do you have uh, moving forward within, you know, just life or, or business in general? I, I know next year is going to be a big year and yep. they're pushing for 70. But, uh, but besides that and team building, is there anything that really stands out? Yeah. I mean, we're really looking to automate our business and be able to break away. Um, Gary and I had kids young, so we have a 21 year old, um, who is, um, studying construction management and he's here. He's actually interning with us as a project manager. Um, and then we have a daughter who is in her senior year in high school. So our goal has kind of always been by the time that she graduates, that we're going to be able to do a lot more traveling because we had kids so young, we, you know, we've done some traveling, but nowhere near what we want to do. So, um, my husband's goal is to buy a sprinter van so I don't know if you've seen any of the podcasts that are like van life and all that kind of stuff. So they're totally decked out, um, you know, with your bed and kitchenette and shower and, and everything. And so we're going to, we want to hit the road and travel around. And, um, you know, honestly, we want to, we want to be able to connect with people, other investors in other markets, maybe do some coaching and stuff so that, you know, we can travel and see different places and help other people out. Um, we mentor a few people here in Minnesota. Um, and so we'd like to do that kind of on a bigger scale. I love it. Yeah. So what would you recommend to somebody just getting started? Like if they acknowledge real estate is, um, you know, one of the, the main key elements, I guess, mm -hmm. to, to be able to get that financial freedom and, and time freedom overall, um, you know, but they just don't know how to actually get started. What would you mm -hmm. recommend? Um, well, if they don't know how to get started, like we were when we were younger is really plugging into groups like, you know, your RIAs and your investment groups. And I mean, if you're younger, there's all kinds of millennial investor groups out there where it's, you know, people of the same mindset and the same, like, um, um, kids, my son's age, 21 year age, you guys are much more collaborative. Like you're learning in schools and stuff, which was much more collaborative and interactive. Whereas like, my generation is more like the cubicle generation. Like you're working independently on your own. Right. So get with people that have similar types of styles and learning styles as you, you know, um, but you can also learn things from other people too. Um, find a local mentor, you know, find someone that's doing it. Um, JV with someone, if you have some funds and they have a project JV with them, but have one of the stipulations be that you're, you need to be, you want to be involved and learn from them what the process is. So then you can go do it on your own. Yeah. Um, you know, don't be afraid to ask questions. We have people all the time um, say, you know, you guys give your time so much. Why do you do that for free? You know, why do you, and we're like, well, I mean, someone else had to teach us. And so, you know, we just want to give it back. I mean, it's people, people aren't in real estate investing. Some people are competitive, but many, many more people are collaborative and they're willing to help each other out and don't see each other as competition, but see each other as like, you know, the more you succeed, the more I'll succeed kind of thing, of which is awesome. Yeah. Um, if you can't afford it and, and it, 
you're like us, you know, an education program is phenomenal. Um, you know, that taught us the value of investing money in, you know, you pay to go to college. So why wouldn't you pay to learn about real estate investing too? you know, yeah. and it just makes sense. So, um, and then the last thing is, is like we did really figuring out what is your competitive advantage? What do you have that you're good at that sets you apart? Yes. Um, you know, for someone, um, you might be like, so we run into a lot of people that were professional athletes and now they're getting into real estate investing. And something that those people have is in order to be a professional athlete, you have to be willing to fail over and over and over again and get back up over and over and over again. So a lot of those people are really good at like the door knocking and going out in the face to face and they can build rapport quickly. And you know, those kinds of things like the heavy grind type stuff. And it's, part of their regimen and routine that they've already been used to their whole professional career. Um, you know, someone that comes from marketing, you know, they might be a great wholesaler, right? So figure out what your competitive advantage is and then what niche within real estate would best adapt itself to you and then start there. Then it's not such a steep hill uphill climb to kind of learn and, and be successful and find success. Yeah. Those are some amazing tips. I really, really love this. I mean, at the end of the day, really finding somebody else that has already been there, already doing it. When I first got started, it was, it, it felt like, it feels like the last few years, times have changed a little bit with like yeah. mindsets opening up and, and not being, uh, not having like a greedy mindset. Yeah. Uh, like, let me, you know, cause at first when I was first getting started, I felt like that's what I was running into. I, I felt a lot of people, um, I was asking for help and they'd, they would kind of be like shunned off a little yeah. bit, but, um, like what's your ulterior motive? <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, but at the end of the day, you know, I was looking to, you know, just get started. I, mm -hmm. I, I was willing to fail sooner than later Yeah. So, just so I could, you know, learn from it and keep it moving. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, jumping in on podcasts, just like this, listening to podcasts, YouTube, uh, all the real estate books out there. Uh, real estate courses, RIA groups, mm -hmm. like all, all of these and, and really learning from somebody that's doing it consecutively every day and mm -hmm. staying busy doing it and, and making, you know, results is very important. So yeah. Yep. Yeah. So thank you for all those uh, amazing tips. I really love it. Cool. You're very so welcome. How can, how can people uh, find you? Um, well, I'm on Facebook, Suzanne okay. Griffiths. We have our business page, um, 45, North properties dot or not dot com. It's Facebook slash forty five North Properties. Yeah. So we have a business page there. Um I have my own I have a realtor page. So it's Suzanne Griffiths Realtor. Um they can email me at info at forty five North dot com. Um I'm happy to answer questions or hop on a messenger or whatever. Yeah. Very cool. Awesome. Suzanne, thank you so much. You are the best. Thanks. I really do appreciate your time. And um, I mean, wow, you, you really poured in so much, uh, <laughs> so much education and knowledge for all the listeners. So we definitely do appreciate you. Cool. So if, uh, if you guys have any questions, feel free to reach out to me. You can reach out to me at brandonelliotinvestments.com or anywhere on social media, Brandon Elliott Investments. Um, if you guys found value in this, do me a favor, share this out to, to more people so they get you know educated and get excited about real estate investing. Uh, do me a favor, jump on iTunes, leave a review, make sure you are subscribed and uh, send me a screenshot of that and I will send you my book 
action driven, but you're definitely going to want to be a part of this, get your hands on this. It's going to bring tremendous breakthrough. So, um, so yeah, I appreciate all you guys for, for jumping in and being a part of this till next time. Suzanne, thank you so much again. Appreciate it. God bless guys. This has been another episode of Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast, brought to you by Brandon Elliott. For more information, please visit brandonelliottinvestments.com. Also, please don't forget to like, share, and leave a comment below. Thanks again for joining. Until next time, God bless.